0: لا be a وَمِنْ أَعْمَالِنَا اللَّهِ I seek assistance and forgiveness, and seek refuge. In Allah, from the evils of ourselves to the evil consequences of our deeds. Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead him astray, and whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide him. I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone, and that He has no partners, and I bear witness that Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, is greater and his messenger. InshaAllah, this evening we would like to begin with a brief review of the hadith which we took last <laughs> week before proceeding to a new uh, sub-chapter from Kitab al salat the sub-chapter specific to Salat al the Nabi Allah, وسلم, or the description of the prayer of the Prophet uh, Before proceeding to the sub-chapter would like to review حديث number 75 number 76 and 78 number 75 is the حديث الاخرى من يزيد وخطني الانصالي رضي الله عنه he said that ذات البراء ذات البراء ابنعاته رضي الله عنهم in form him حدثني البراء وهو غيره كذوب and قال له جحط يقول يا مرقس كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم اذا قال سمع الله لمن حمده لم يحمي احد منا ظهره حتى يقع رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قائما كتاب دعنا نتوكل الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وهذا كتاب Allah When he was coming up from Ruku, he said, Allah gives, Allah listens to the one who pays him. No one of us would bend his back. And when the Prophet ﷺ goes up from Ruku and was standing, the people followed him to the standing position, he said, at that point they remained there and no one would move his back, no one would bend towards prostration until the Prophet وسلم, himself prostrated, until the Prophet وسلم, reached the position of Sekta, frustration, no one would move. They wouldn't move towards prostration with him, nor ahead of him, but they would wait until he was in the position of seda, until his forehead was on the ground, his forehead in his nose, which is the proper man of seda, at that point Newell then proceeds to tajda he said um, he said thumma naqa'u sujooda baadahu yeah yani, when the Prophet shall read the position of then we would at that point follow in this hadith the shaykh mentions three points the first of them is that it contains a description of how the Sahaba and the companions of the Prophet sallallahu wa sallam, how they used to follow him in the khalat, how they used to follow him strictly. And also that no one of them would move from the standing position al qiyam to the prostration position of sujood until the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam himself was in sujood, until he was in the position of prostration, no one would move. And this is very important as we know today many of the people are either preceding the Imam or moving along with the Imam. Or yeah, I mean, some wait a little while when the Imam is halfway to frustration then they may begin to follow him. Or in fact the proper thing to do as was the example of the companions of the Prophet the proper thing to do is to wait until the Imam reaches the next position that he is going to and then at that point we may follow him. The second fully derived in this hadith Shaykh Abdullah Allah mentions that the way they did it, the way companions of the Prophet did it this is the way that we should do it. Our following in the salat should be as they did it. No one should precede the imam because it is forbidden, it is haram to do so and it invalidates the salat. Anyone goes ahead of the imam their salat is invalidated. No. Should anyone move exactly at the same time with the imam? Because this is makruh, it is deceptible, and this causes a defect in the salat. Yani it decreases the perfection of the salat. It doesn't invalidate the salah, but it decreases the perfection and correctness of the salat. Nor should anyone delay following the Imam beyond the proper time, that means that uh, when the Imam reaches the position such as Sajjah, then we shouldn't continue to wait, but when he reaches Sajjah we should then follow without any further delay. And no one should delay beyond that which is proper. But once he reaches the position, then we should immediately proceed to follow him into that position. So we should not go ahead of the imam, we should not move exactly along with him, nor should we delay beyond that which is proper. Once the imam reaches the position, we should follow The third thing, in this hadith, he says that there is an evidence uh, concerning or clarification concerning the length of or waiting. In the position after rising up from ruku, yeah, in the standing position after rising from Roku. in that position, the person who is praying should wait and should stand calmly for some time before proceeding to the next position. Not as many people do today, as soon as they rise up from ruku, to so stand, they immediately go to sejm. And in fact, in every position. There is a period of time and a condition of calmness, the that is required from the Muslim, the person who's saying, and not to proceed from one position to another as though you were in a race. But when you came up from Rukhu, you should stand calmly for a little while. When you reach Setzer and you came up from Setzer, to sitting you should sit for a little while and so on. Uh, this hadith indicates that the companions of the Prophet, when they returned from Rukul, they used to wait in the standing position for some time. As for the Imam, his waiting in that position is not indicated in this hadith, but there are other hadith which indicate the general instruction of Sama'a and one of them is the hadith of Surah ibn in which he describes. Uh, the prayer of the Prophet, which is the prayer of the Prophet described and it was mentioned in the hadith حَتَّى تَتْمَئِنَّ قَعْمًا يعني the person when they rose up from the they should stand there حَتَّى تَتْمَئِنَّ قَعْمًا until they remain in the position of the of the Tama'anina they should remain in that position standing calmly يعني before proceeding to the next position and in another hadith reported by Imam Ahmad he said, فَعَقِلْ صَدَّكَ حَتَى تَرْجِعَ الْعِبَارِ And yani that the person should straighten up their back when they return from Ruku, standing up straightly until all the bones are in their proper position. So we should not stand up and then immediately go to the next position, even if one is praying alone. And if you're praying in congregation then you have to wait until the Imam proceeds to Ruku. The <laughs> next hadith, hadith in the 76, the hadith from Abu Hurairah, R.A.R.A. إِلَىٰ الْإِمَامُ When the Imam says Ameen which means, and the meaning of it is it is a supplication that Allah accepts and it is a request that Allah accepts our supplication when anyone supplicates for something and they say Ameen it's the meaning of it is what Allah accepts from us, accepts our request So whenever the Imam says Ameen then the people should say Ameen فَإِنَّهُ مِنْ مُوَاثَقَ تَأَمِينُهُ كَأَمِينَ الْمَلَائِكَ غُفِرَ لَهُ مَا تَخَدَّنَ مِنْ ذَنْبِهُ So verily, whoever in their pronouncing of the word ameen agrees with or coincides with the saying of ameen by the angels they say ameen at the same time that the angels say ameen then the reward for such is that their previous sins would be forgiven Here from this hadith, the Shaykh mentions a number of points and also there's a matter of difference of opinion. Uh, concerning the difference of opinion, it is reported that Imam Allah, in one of the reports from them, one of the two reports from them, uh, it was his position that the Imam is not required to say Ameen. That the Imam is not required to say Ameen. This is the position that has been recorded in one of the two narrations from al-Imam Malik. Imam Shafi'i and Ahmed, Allah, may Allah have mercy on all of the Imams held that it was mustahab to say Ameen for the Imam to say so, as well as the followers, as well as the person who's praying alone. Who's singly. If you are praying alone, then it is mustahab to say amin. If you are praying in congregation, it is mustahab both for the Iman and those who are following the Iman to say amin. Then everyone should say Ameen, whether you are praying in congregation or whether you are praying alone, whether you are the imam or whether you are following the imam. Uh, and their opinion is based on yani, the evidence meaning of this hadith, the Prophet said when the Imam says Amin, then say Amin. So it's evident from the Hadith that the Imam says Amin and that the people also trying to say Amin. Uh, the third opinion is the opinion of the Wahiriyah, the Nicholas, and they say that it is wajib for everyone, the Imam, the follower, as well as one pays along to say Amin, That is it is righteous. And this is actually closer to the apparent meaning of the hadith because the Prophet said when the Imam says Ameen, that's a command, then you must say Ameen. So this seems to be closer, the third opinion of the Bahariya seems to be closer to the apparent meaning of the hadith because whenever there's a command coming in the Quran or in the Sunnah, the command indicates wujuf or that something is obligatory. In this Hadith the Shif mentioned a number of points from on one them that it is legislated in, in, in the salat, that the Imam as well as the follower, as well as one who prays alone it is legislated that they should say Ameen. Number two, that the Angels say Ameen to the Dua of the people who pray. And when we pray and we say al fatiha al fatiha is the supplication we are asking a lot of guidance that supplication, the angels say Ameen I to us. The angels ask Allah to accept our supplication. Uh, the third thing, he said the virtuous nature or the superiority of saying I Amin mean, and that the saying of I Amin mean, is a cause for the forgiveness of sins. And whenever you're saying of I Amin mean, coincides. What the angel saying I mean is a cause, or a reason, or a way for sins to be forgiven. So the saying that I mean is a reason, or a cause for one's sins to be forgiven. Uh, As we mentioned so many times, there's a difference here between the hadith or the Ayahs from the Quran that generally mention forgiveness of sins, some of them said that it means forgiveness of minor sins, and others said that it means sins in general. Those who said that it only means minor sins, they said because many sins require tawbah, repentance. Number four, it is required and expected that the one who is supplicating, as well as the one who is saying need to that supplication, should be conscious and have presence of their heart and presence of mind. That when you are supplicating you should be conscious of what you are doing, not just saying words without reflecting on what you are saying. You should have presence of mind and presence of heart at the time you are supplicating. Or the one who is listening to the iman or the leader or the khatib and the khutbah, anyone who is supplicating to the Muslims, those who are listening, they should be also conscious and aware and paying attention to the supplication that they are saying I mean to. Number five, Al-Imam Al-Bukhari used as an evidence, this hadith, he used it as an evidence to show that it is legislated for the Imam to say Amin out loud, that the Imam should say Ameen out loud, uh, because the saying of the Imam, his saying Ameen uh, out loud allows the people who are following him to also say Amin at the same time. If they hear him saying Amin, then they know also to say Amin. They cannot know when they should say Amin except that they hear the Imam saying Amin. And this opinion, that the Imam should say Ameen out loud, is also the opinion of the Jamhur. Not only the opinion of Imam Bukhari, but it is the opinion of the Jamhur, the majority of scholars. And finally, the last point he says, That it is preferable that the one who supplicates should imitate the angels in all of their characteristics, in all of their characteristics, that would be a cause for a reason for their supplication to be accepted. And whatever the angels do that that may be a cause or reason for supplication to be accepted, we should also do the same. And from amongst those things, he said, is humility, of consciousness, of purity, and that we should try to always pay attention that our clothing, and our drink, and our food should be from halal sources, because these are also causes for separation to be accepted. And also consciousness of mind and heart, (coughs) and that person should always be going forward towards Allah or trying to respond to the call of Allah. We should have the consciousness and we should have um, the desire to always try to respond to the call of Allah. And this is one of the ways that we are receptive. If we enter Allah's call, then this is the call for Him to answer our request from Him. Yeah, and when Allah requests anything from us, if we respond to it, then when we request from Him, then He will respond to us. Allah has more right that we respond to Him than that He responds to us because we are in need of Him and He is not in need of us. Since we are in need of Him, when He ask us anything or command us with anything, then we should be quick to do, knowing fully that we are in complete need of Him while He has no need of us, yet He responds to our call. Next hadith, hadith number 77 is the hadith of Abu Huraira الله عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال إِذَا If any one of you leaves the people in prayer then he should be light or short in the prayer يعني not be lengthy فَإِنَّ فِيهِمْ أو منهم So there amongst the people who are in the congregation are those who are weak and those who are sick, and those who have need to attend to. And those who are elderly. And if anyone of you prays alone, leave himself in prayer without even following him, then he may prolong the khalat as much as he wills, or as much as she wills. And the one who prays alone. It's incorrect to make the prayer as long as you like but when anyone is reading the prayer then they should try to be conscious that that amongst them are those who are weak and those who are sick uh, and those who are elderly and those who have need to attend to. Another narration of the Hadith uh, The wording is slightly different but basically the same categories that people are mentioned the maryid, daif, kabir, safim, the I mean, the sick, the weak, the elderly, those who are need and also the young in one hadith it's also reported that young people are following behind you and therefore be conscious of lengthening the prayer because those who are young and those who are old, those who are weak, those who are sick and those who are married to attend to may have difficulty in standing in the prayer that is long Along with this hadith, it's hadith number 78 the hadith of Abu Mas'ud and Ansari and Abu Mas'ud He said, Probably Allahu Anhu. He said, Jaya Rasulullah, a man came to the Nizni of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, said, Safar, Rasulullah, in me, Wallahi, let's ask her and Salatu Sukh or Salatu Gada, in every Sulan. He said, O Messenger Allah, Verily, I swear to Allah that I sometimes remain behind from the prayer, the morning prayer, due to so and so who lengthens the prayer, or who prays with us very very long. Then Arabic said, Sanawa each, cut rather than he said theari said that I never saw the prophet more angry or serious in giving advice or admonition to anyone than he was on that day and he was very very angry due to the fact that someone would remain behind in the prayer because the imam is making the prayer too long for the people and difficult on them. Another saw the Prophet ﷺ as angry as he was that day. The Sheikh mentioned some points here, and also if there is a difference of opinion concerning the listening of the prayer. There some authentic hadith which show that the Prophet ﷺ used to lengthen the prayer to the extent that when he made the takbir to begin the salat, someone might go to the zaqiyah cemetery, leave the nation and go to the cemetery to relieve themselves after relieving themselves, return and make wudu and still catch the first raqa'ah or reach the imam, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam still in the first raqa'ah that's how he gives the length of the prayer and there are the, any authentic hadith which indicate that we should reduce the length of the prayer uh, and both yianni, of these positions are reported authentically from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Uh, And we said that it should be in consideration of the people who are behind the iman, and also we should consider those Prayer, which the Prophet sallam, used to mention, the prayers that he used to make longer than other prayers, we should likewise make those longer than other prayers, and the prayers that he used to make short, we should make short, and we should also consider if the people behind us are able to stand longer in the long prayer, Then there is no harm in doing so, if the people behind us are not able, then that should be taken into consideration. In the first from the Hadith, which mentioned, six. First, the obligation of reducing the length of the prayer in jama without, without uh, leaving out anything from the prayer without causing any defect in the prayer but the meaning here reducing the length of the prayer means reducing the length of the recitation in qiyam it doesn't mean reducing the ruku or the sujood or any other position in the prayer it means the recitation in the prayer being shortened while completing perfectly in the other parts of the prayer Number two, the anger of the Prophet ﷺ with those who make difficulty on the people. Number three, the permissibility of lengthening the prayer when one is praying alone, as long as you like, as long as you don't, cause the prayer to go outside of the boundaries of the time of that prayer. Number four, the obligation of of giving consideration to those who are unable to stand in a lengthy prayer such as those who have need or otherwise, considering and paying attention to those who are behind the imam in the prayer. Number five, there is no harm in mentioning the prayer. If the number of the followers behind the imam are few and that those people who are behind them prefer that he lent them the prayer, there is no harm in doing so. And number six and final point he says that it is expected and required that a person should try to make easy the ways to al al-khair yeah, and try to facilitate the people to do good, and try to encourage the people. Uh, to love those things that are good and to see the benefit and the value of those things that are good and we should encourage people by all means to to the doing of good as the Prophet Allah did by telling the Imams to reduce the length of the prayer that is an encouragement to the people to perform the prayer instead of running them away from the prayer Number 4, the obligation of consideration or paying attention to those who may be unable to stand behind the imam of the hill and prayer and giving consideration to the elderly, the sick, the children, those who have needs to attend to, whatever considering that behind him are those people who cannot stand for a long time the imam should consider that. I remember one of the imams, uh, Ibn Salid, Abdul Abdul Ibn Salih who was the Imam of the Master of the Prophet for about 50 years? And he died maybe about 7 years ago. But I remember when I first went to Medina and he was still leading the prayer, he used to shorten the Doha prayer in the summertime, especially, very, very short. Even though the Prophet used to make the Doha prayer 30 ayahs in the first rakah, and usually they are no ayahs. But he used to shorten the prayer in consideration of the fact that there were many people who were standing outside in the sun who were not inside of the masjid. And it was very hard at that time. In the sun time, he used to shorten the door of prayer in consideration of the people. And this is the wisdom of the imam who followed the instruction of the Prophet. Uh, today inshaAllah we would like to begin the Siddh al-Shalat and Mahid sallallahu alayhi The description of the prayer of the Prophet And there are two books that I would like to refer to that are very important One of them is a long book and the other one is a short book and each one and he has its best Those who are looking for something brief uh, there is a small essay by Shaykh Abdul Aziz in Ya'khullah al-Nidaleh rahimahullah and kind of simple is to al-Nabi K-P is Salat al-Bee quallahu alayhi it is a manner in which the Prophet used to perform the prayers. It's a small book and it's available now. It's available translated into English as a manner of the prayer of the Prophet He sees it in Salatul Eek Insha'Allah we can try to find out exactly where it's available here. It's probably a semester I've I I seen it previously but I don't know recently if it's still available. The other book, which is a more lengthy book and comprehensive, is specifically Salat and read the description of the prayer of the Prophet by Sheikh Muhammad Nasruddin Al-Albani. It's a very lengthy and comprehensive book, and it's probably the most excellent book available on Salah in English or in Arabic. Both books are very, very good, both of them. And yani, for those who want something brief, the, the book of Sheikh Abdul Aziz bin Ba'as is excellent. And for those who want something comprehensive, the book of Sheikh Muhammad Nasruddin al bani Is appropriate. The Shaykh Abdullah bin al Rahman, Ali Bassam, Afil of Allah, in his explanation of Umdas al Akkan, Hefeer al Alan, Umdas al Akkan, proceeds to this chapter the description of the prayer of the Prophet, and he makes a brief introductory note. He says that the original author, the author of Umdas al Akkan, the one that collected these hadiths, mentioned under this title a number of authentic hadith and the description of the Prophet the description of the prayer of the Prophet in its complete and perfect form and that description has no defect or shortcoming uh, and the Prophet by Allah's command and by Allah's permission has been sent to Show us how the prayer legally and properly should be performed. Therefore, it is a big on us to follow him. And to give precedence to his sunnah over the way of anyone else. Yeah, I mean the sunnah of the Prophet, sallam, it is a victor on us to follow it and to give it precedence over what anyone else may say, whether they are imam, our whether they are shaykh, our teacher, whoever. In the way of the Prophet wa sallam, has precedence over the way anyone else, in salat as well as in all other acts of worship. The Prophet said in the hadith Sambhu Kama Rai usalli." Pray, I always pray as you have seen me pray. If we know how the Prophet told us and prayed, we are always pray in the exact same manner. Uh, therefore it is a picture on us, since we didn't see him, it is a ticket on us to search to see and to study and to act so that we may know how his prayer, so that we can follow it. The actions of the Prophet by clarification of his commands. His command to follow the salah, to do it as he did. And he clarified in his actions. How do we follow him in the prayer by knowing what he did and doing what he did? Uh, He also says here that the actions of the Prophet in his salat are an indication of what is obligatory to do in the prayer. And whoever says that it's not obligatory then they should produce in their evidence. And in other words, many of the scholars in all of the Madasa have classified some of the actions or the sayings or the things that are done in the Salat into categories of that which is Sunnah. That which is yeah, the an it's not obligatory, as well as that which is right The obligatory actions, as well as that which is a are the pillars of the salat. Most of the scholars justify the aspects of the prayer into these categories, as well as the fourth category, that which is a shock or the precondition before entering the prayer. And the Shaykh is saying here that with whatever the Prophet said and did, it is obligatory for us to do also. In any case, there's a difference of opinion about this. Some of the other scholars such as Al-Imam said that the actions of the Prophet ﷺ in salat as well as in any act of ibadah do not indicate what or wujud. They do not indicate that it's obligatory, but they indicate that it's mustahab. Whatever he said in it, it is mustahab. Whatever he said in the prayer or whatever he did in the prayer, it is mustahab to do so. It is commendable. It is beloved to do so. But to say that it is obligatory, Requires evidence. That's the other opinion. The church is saying here that whoever said it's not obligatory, they should bring their proof. And the other scholars says to to say that it's obligatory, you have to bring a proof. In any case, there's a difference of opinion about this. And the most important thing is that if we know the Prophet did something in the Salat, we should do it. Even if it's not obligatory, even if it's only mustahab. It's mustaha, why should we not do it? It's something that is loved by Allah, it is commendable to do, it's praiseworthy, it's rewardable, why would we not do it? Uh, Before proceeding to the first hadith, let me just. I made some notes here that I just want to read to you quickly in order to give you an indication of how the scholars have divided the actions and the matters related to the salah into different categories, that which is a precondition of the shiroot, that which is a sunnah of the sunnah of salah, that which is a wakib of the wakib act, the act of the salah, and that which is a wakib of the arkan of salat, the fiddlest. Uh, according to the حَدْدَ uh, Matha they have divided into these four categories the actions of the salah. For so example, they said of the shurud or the preconditions of the salah. And I'm only mentioning this not for you to necessarily uh, any follow, but as an example of how the salah the divided into different parts, only yeah, as an example. Because these things, there's different sort of thing about what is obligatory, what is right, what is sunnah, what's the work, there's different among the Nizat of But just as an example, the Hanbali, some of the Hanbali salah said that the shurud of salah the whole things which are required before you enter the prayer in order for the prayer to be accepted, later they are night Al-Islam, that you should be a Muslim Al-Aql, that you should have your fancy and years, that the person is aware of what they are doing and that child that's one year old, doesn't know anything no, their prayer is not accepted if they pray because they have no idea what they are doing And tahara that you should be clean if you are able uh, the and walk, that the time for the prayer should have Egypt. Uh, that the Aura should be covered for the men at least from the navel to the knees. And for the women, everything except their face and hands and the Salat is required to be covered, including their feet should be covered in the Salat and uh, the that you should avoid any kind of filthy or unclean things such as such as urine or, or feces or anything like this. Number eight, is that you should face the fidla if you are able and, and that you have attention. All of these things are preconditions before you enter the prayer. Without these, things, the prayer is not accepted, even if it's performed correctly. We also said concerning the arkan al-salah, those things which are pillars of the salah. That means that they are obligatory to do and if you don't do them, either intentionally or unintentionally, forgetfully or unknowingly, the prayer is in invalid without any one of these things. The Arkhan of Salah. The Ambalist Ballads said that they are 14 standing in the obligatory prayers for where they are able. Ta'bir to the ihram the first taqbir when you begin the prayer. Kiraat al-Fatiha, the reputation of al-Fatiha, al ركوع، standing up from and in the standing position after you roll from Wuqoo, standing in that position, a sujood, frustration, up some frustration, uh, sitting between the two frustrations, the calmness of the body when you reach any position before going to the next position, al the last part of the and the also, in Jalus, yeah, and jaloos, the anis for the last tashatuk and for the children uh, of the salat, you should be in the silly position when you're in And the two means, the yeah, anis saying, Assalamu alaikum wa to the right and to the left. And these things being done, all of these are should be done in order. When he said that these are necessary, required parts of the salat, if any one of them is left out, the salat is unbalanced. Whether it was left out mistakenly or intentionally, unknowingly or forgetfully. And of course, I'm repeating that this is not something agreed upon. to come. that is the form to the humble method, needs of the art of salah. they said the wajibat, or the obligatory act of the salah, and the difference between a wajib and a wakil of salah, is that the wajib, if anybody does have a wajibat of salah, they can meet such the taqwa and the prayer will be complete. And if you need our wakil of the salah, the salah is invalid. And you cannot correct it except by performing that, that act, that act has to be performed. And the wajibat of salah, if somebody is a bat to perform it, and they realize afterwards, they don't have to go back and do it again, but they can just make sense with the that is a frustration for forgetfulness. They said that these things invalidate the salah if they are left out intentionally, the right you like. They're intentionally, you just don't do But if you do it successfully, you can just make sense the sahwah. They said there is the takbir, other than the first takbir, other than the takbir of the haram, all other takbir they said are wajib. And when you go to work, home, when you go to center, when you write and say the thing, Allah has all of these agreements with the al-wajib. The rest of the uh, uh, the al-wajib that they said are the saying, same. Say, send Allah al Hamidah for the iman, for the one who prays alone, but not for the one who follows the iman. He doesn't say send Allah al Hamidah, according to the madhab. Uh, Rabban al-Atlham, saying Rabban al-Atlham, for so the name for the Imam for so the follower and so the one who prays Allah All of we should pray Rabbana alaka alhamd as the same Allah is the same They say only the Imam should pray All no the one who prays alone. Also of the right and right of the obligatory acts They say Subhana Rabbi Al-Azim At least one time in Ruku Saying Subhana Rabbi al Aala" At least one time in Sudeoos Saying Rabbi Al-Firmie for Allah forgive me, between the two sexes. and the ceiling between the two sexes. And there are other du'as that are narrated from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam decide what strictly, any one of them may be said, they said this also the right to that of Salat. Uh, Al-Fashahid al the first part of the fashahid they said is right here, whereas the second part of the fashahid the they said is a walking on the salah. In fact, we said, sitting for the Tashahat at Orwell is also a riding a of salah. That means that if somebody didn't recite the first Tashahat, uh, that was that recited in the second Raqqa of the three or four Raqqa prayer, if somebody didn't recite, they didn't sit the Tashahat, and they stood up after the second Raqqa, for example, then they realized afterwards, they can just make said the Tashahat whereas the second fashahif, if you left it out, the it becomes invalid, according to the and then they mentioned so many things, the sunnah of salat, they divided into sayings and actions and they listed innumerable things <laughs> and the things uh, which they said are sunnah of the salat uh, that means that if you left it out, it doesn't invalidate the salat that you shouldn't leave it out intentionally uh, but even if anyone left it out, intentionally and unintentionally, it doesn't involve the Salat From the things they said, saying, after takdiru al-ihram, saying the Du'a, subhanahu al-lahumma wabihamdika and so on uh, Saying, A'udhu wa'an-Ishkifarazeen, we go the Quran and the Salat saying the Desmarah, uh, Bismillah, saying Ameen As opposed to the opinion of the Bahariya, they said saying Ameen is wajib. Here, they said, it's Sunnah Reciting something after Al-Fatiha, they said it's Sunnah, and so on. They mentioned a number of things, and also the Sunnah of actions, which said, for example, uh, uh, raising the hands for Taqbir al-Iham, raising the hands. Uh, when you are going to Ruku, when you are coming from Ruku, taking the right hand and the left hand on the chest, looking at the place of, sex, of, of frustration, uh, and so on. They mentioned also a whole list of long things. This is just an example of how the scholars divided the Salat into those things which are sunnah, those things which are righteous, obligatory, and those things which are broken in of the Salat. Um, I don't know how much time we have if we can uh, at least complete one hadith it would be good, insha'Allah uh, The third hadith that the shaykh mentioned, or the first hadith that the imam uh, mentioned in the book Anjith um, Al-Ahqam is hadith number 79 and so in the description the of the of the Prophet sallallahu he said, i abi Hurairah, Allah Anhu By the way, if the sisters uh, have the handout, so tonight's lecture, please send them all to the us uh, al علي Hurairah قليل الله إنه قال كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا أن Hurairah said that the of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم Whenever he used to say Allah Akbar, whenever he used to make that to begin the salat He used to remain silent for a short time before he would recite, al him. Before he would recite something from the Quran, he used to remain silent for a short time. Sakteha, hunehezan. Sakuzu, I said, Ya Rasulullah, the Abi Anfarumni. By my, uh, my mother, my father, and my mother, I will offer them as a ransom for you, O Messenger of Allah. And in this is the expression that I ask you to uh, show the importance of something that they want to do or say uh, He said to the Prophet ﷺ I will ransom my father and my mother for you أَرَأَيْكَ سُوكُوتَكَ بَيْنَ He said to the Prophet ﷺ, The spirit of silence between the takbir and the recitation of the Quran, the Al Qur'an what do you say in that time? What are you saying? I and mean, he didn't hear anything but he imagined that the Prophet ﷺ is saying something between the of al-Ihram and the recitation of al-Satiha and he wanted to know what are you saying? He said, the Prophet said allah wa yaia, The Prophet said I say, O oh Allah, make the distance between my sins as the distance as you have made the distance between the east and the west I mean remove from me my sins make them far away from me just as you have made the east and the west far from one another اللهم نفتني من قطاع يَا يَا كَنَى يَنَقْتَحْهُمْ الْأَجْدُ مِنَثِنَسِ O Allah allah uh, نفتني Min al khafaya, in Salam alayhi said, Min khafaya, or oh Allah purify me from my sins, or purify me from sins, just as you purify a white uh... clothing, a white clothing, with, um, dress, and it's something that you wear that's white, just as you purify it from unfriendliness or from filth. Purify me from my sins, just as you purify a white garment from any unfriendliness or filth. Allahumma, Allah, I certainly. From the Allah makes or Allah wash me or wash my sins with water and or, uh, water and snow and ice. This is one of the supplications that the Prophet ﷺ used to recite when he opened the prayer after Tahrim to the Shaykh says the general meaning of this hadith that the Prophet, whenever he used to meet the Al-Haram, he used to lower his voice for a short period of time before reciting Al-Fatiha, and they didn't hear what he was saying. The Sahaba, they used to know that he was saying something in that moment, in that course of silence, that they didn't know what he was saying. So uh, Abu Kawira, May Allah be pleased with him and bless him and reward him. He asked. She asked the Prophet so that he would know and also so that we would know. He said, so the Prophet oh Messenger of Allah, May my father and mother a ransom for you. What do you say in this moment of silence between the takbir, Allah and the recitation of Al-Fatiha? And the Prophet ﷺ told him that he said, Allah wa Allah al al min al al So he told him that recitation when we in the recitation of this application that he used to say, in the Al-Hadith would indicate other supplications which might be more common than this application. But this application is a in al bukhari al Muslim and it's real to the some of we should learn it and sometimes replace it with the other more common supplications that we might be saying in the Sarah. The uh, Shaykh says that this application is most appropriate in this noble position. Yeah, in the position when we are calling on Allah, when we are supplicating Allah, when we are saying to him. Because the one who's is praying is turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, asking him to remove his sins and to make far away from him his sins. Uh, so that he would never meet his sins. Yeah, they would be so far away that they would never affect him. Just as the East will never meet the West. To remove his sins from him in the same way that when we move and it from a white soul, the white, the yeah, alijib, when one washes it thoroughly. And also to wash his things from him with water and snow and ice. Uh, and the that says uh, that these things are not literally meant that the that, that, that thing should be washed with snow or water or ice, but it is tashree or uh, giving resemblance to something, uh, and it is an expression used to express the desire to have. Hadith, the mentioned that it is mustahab to make this opening supplication for the the salah. number two uh, what the Prophet used to do after the al-ihram before we say Al Fatiha and the first raka and every salat is that he used to recite this supplication. The time to recite this supplication is between the taqbir al Ihram and the recitation of Al Fatiha. Number three, uh, that that recitation of these words or this supplication is done silently, even in the salat, which is than out loud, and in the first of Maghrib and Isha, which is out loud, even in those prayers, this supplication was recited silently, not out loud, and in a low tone. It should be recited. The words should be pronounced, but not loud, so that others may hear. Uh, also, that the Prophet sallallahu didn't use to make lengthy supplications when he was leading the people in the, in the congregational prayers in the obligatory congregational prayers whereas when he, was making, when he was supplicating Allah alone he might supplicate Allah for hours for lengthy periods of time he used to supplicate but in the Salat in the congregational prayers when the people were following him he didn't use to lengthen his supplications although perhaps to some of us this supplication may seem long but in comparison to the supplications of the Prophet uh, this was not long When he was praying alone for example in the night prayer, he used to supplicate long, very, very long lengthy supplications but when he was praying in congregation he used to show them. Also in this hadith is an indication of the desire and the eagerness of the companions of the prophet to follow everything that he used to do. His movements uh, as well as when he was silent, they were wondering what he was doing when they didn't hear. Number 6. Uh, that, yeah, I mean one of the things that a person is expected to do at the time when they are supplicating that they should ask for more and more even if they ask for the same thing by different words yeah, I mean To repeat your request by different words is a good thing yeah, I and mean we should ask Allah as much as possible and here in this hadith, we see that the Prophet acts for the same thing, the removal of sins three, three times, but by using different words. So this is also I mean, an example for us to follow that we might ask Allah something over and over and over again and it is recommended that we can change the wording of our request even though we are asking for the same thing. As you can see in this application the words of each part of it, the three parts, are all related to the removal of sins, or removing someone far away from their sins, uh, and, and the meaning is the same. And also you can see that in the end of the dua, the Prophet mentioned al ma water, a selge, snow, and al-baruk, ice. And these also are similar means, water, snow, and ice, but they are just ju- different forms of the same thing. So the Prophet asked that the sins be wiped right away, yeah, and the, by the use of the same thing, but using different words. Because water, and snow, and ice are all the same, in different forms. Uh, the, 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 the important thing is that the Prophet here is asking that sins be removed. Uh, and this is I mean, what we also should ask for. There are two things here that the Shaykh mentions uh, to benefit the he because number one, that it has been confirmed from the Prophet وسلم, that he used to open the Salat with a number of different supplications, not only one. And from amongst those supplications is this one which is recorded in this Hadith: Alama ba'id bihi and also from the ones supplications of the Prophet وسلم, is that he used to say wa وَجْهِيَ لِلَّذِي فَذَرَةْ سَمَرَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ يعني, I have turned my face to the one who created the heavens and the earth and also from the ones supplications of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم, سُبْحَانَكَ wa bihamdika, which is only the most common supplication that's recorded in most of the books of Salat all of these are supplications that are referred authentically and it is permissible to supplicate by any one of them and Imam Ahmed he chose the last supplication the one that is most common that most people are using ma, uh, he chose this one and preferred it because of what it contains the words of praise of Allah and glorification of Allah and the indication of Allah's tawheed for this reason he preferred this supplication and Umar used to say this supplication out loud in order for the people to learn it from him the last supplication, the one that is most commonly uh, used by the people Also the Shaykh says that when we pray we should not restrict ourselves to only one of these supplications, only reciting one of them all the time but we should use all of them So that we would be more perfect and complete in following the way of the Prophet Since on different occasions he used different supplications and we should follow his example and on different occasions use different supplications, not always in every prayer using the same one. In this way we revive and give life to the Sunnah of the Prophet and those things that perhaps have been neglected, forgotten and perhaps are even unknown some people may think that there is only one supplication to open the prayer with, and they may not even be aware that there are others so by using these supplications we revive the seminar uh, and also he said that it is expected that we should recite the long supplications when we are praying alone and the short ones if we are reading the prayer and congregation the second point he said it is well known that hot water is more effective in removing unplendiness uh, it is I mean, more effective than those things which were mentioned in this application I mean, if someone wants to wash building, they normally wouldn't use cold water they would uh, prefer hot water which is more effective in removing uh, uncleanliness. so how is it that hot water has not been mentioned in this application and water and snow and ice are mentioned since the thing that is required or the thing that is requested in the publication is the cleanliness or the removal of sins. And, and the answer, the Sheikh says, uh, many of the scholars have attempted to answer this question and to explain why يعني, snow and ice were mentioned instead in of hot water. And perhaps the most excellent of what has been mentioned as a response to this question is that which was uh, written by Ibn Qayyim uh, and he reported it in Shaykh Islam to be the meaning of it is uh, since sins are considered يعني, لما كانت لذنوب حرارة this is difficult to translate <laughs> perhaps the meaning of it is that sins have a, uh, a niche of hotness or heat, heat. Then it was appropriate that the thing which is used to remove things should be something cold. Uh, so that this heat is removed by something cold. The heat is removed by something cold. As opposed to the trying to stop a fire by, with fire. This is the answer of Shayyus and Ibn the as you call it in And other scholars mention other statements. Uh, the next hadith is somewhat lengthy and it contains a number of things: 11 ruling from it as well as a lengthy ikhtilaf about three or four or five pages, no way to cover it today. But uh, in any case, uh, just quickly, um, if there are any questions or comments or corrections, we can take them now. And if there's still any time, perhaps we can quickly uh, just read from another. Um, very, very short essay. Are there any questions? Any comments? Anything from the sisters now? Probably. Sir, I'm the city. I'll go to the city. Please. Some people just go to the city. Come on. <laughs> After returning from to standing, some people. Place their hand,
1: right yeah. hand on the left
0: hand, back on the chest. No. The, the of the the of yeah, this is the issue that there is a big difference of opinion about. Perhaps you may know that it is, uh, it is the opinion of uh, many of the scholars in Saudi Arabia today, contemporary scholars, that um, won't anyone. Returns from Rukhu to standing position, Qiyam or Erdidal, that they should place their hands back on their chest as they were holding them before Rukhu. This is an issue, insha'Allah that we will discuss in detail. But let it suffice to say that it is a legitimate difference of opinion. And there are strong evidences for both opinions those who said to place their hands on the chest as well as those who said not to do so. One of the contemporary scholars who held that it is not proper, it is not from the Sunnah to place the hands on the chest the Sheikh Muhammad Masuddin al bani and he mentioned a number of evidences against this practice and in fact he took a very strong position saying not only is it not from the Sunnah but that it is a very terrible innovation That was his opinion, that is his opinion as far as I know until so now uh, Nonetheless, we also said that it is from the Sunnah to place hands on the chest, also have evidences uh, which are somewhat indirect and not explicit. Uh, but um, they do have a number of evidences which, inshallah, when we reach that point, we will discuss them in more detail. Um, in any case, whoever placed their hand on their chest due to the fact that they believe it is from the Sunnah, by whatever evidence they have, we, sh- we shouldn't criticize such. We shouldn't criticize. It is a matter of Ihtilaah, difference of opinion. The scholars made Ijtihad concerning it and some of the scholars said that it is from the Sunnah. So whoever followed that, thinking that it is from the Sunnah or believing that it is closer to the Sunnah then there is no harm in doing so and they should not be condemned or criticized. Likewise, whoever holds the opinion based on their own research and study and what they heard from the scholars and evidence from the Sunnah that it is not proper to do so there is not some to do so and they remain with their hands on their side also should not be condemned or criticized by those who place their hands on their chest because as we said it is a matter of ijtihad and in matters of ijtihad the correct opinion of the scholars is that in matters of ijtihad neither of the parties should be condemned more should it be called, I mean, should it be criticized in harsh words that these people who hold the other opinion, that's not in agreement with the way we see it, we shouldn't say that these people are innovators, that these people are deviant, that these people have went astray. But we should tolerate uh, those who have legitimate opinions and who have some evidence, even though we may feel that our opinion is based on stronger evidence, we should try to be tolerant of others, inshallah. I hope that uh, and it briefly answers your question. And inshallah, we can look at the statements of some of the scholars and some of the evidences uh, concerning the two opinions uh, in the future when we reach that point. Any other comments or questions or any corrections on what we said?
1: My, my question is about A lot of people say that uh is uh, And it's uh,
0: is either these The people who refuse to use a sutra, I mean, they, they refuse to pray towards something in front of them as they lie for their prayer. A sutra is something that uh, has physical shape or form. Uh, which indicates the place of the person's place of frustration. And no one should walk between that person's sutra and the person who is staying. I mean between the person and the place of frustration, uh, no one should walk on that area. And that area should be indicated by a sutra. Whether it is like in the time of the Prophet Salah like, al he used a number of things a the mountain of spear, or the uh, saddle of a camel, um, you may pray behind a pole in the master's, a bookshelf, anything, whatever it may be, and you should mark the place of your prayer so that no one can walk in front of you while you're praying. Some of the scholars said that it is mustahab, and some said that it is wise or obligatory. And this is another issue about which there's a great difference of opinion, and it requires a lengthy discussion. There are some, uh, there's one contemporary scholar. Uh, who wrote a whole book of maybe about 200 pages concerning this issue and there are others who wrote small essays, 10 pages, 2 pages, 3 pages and so on. Perhaps we will discuss it in some detail when we reach you know, that point in the hadith concerning the matters of Salat uh, or on another occasion. In any case, uh, it appears as though that the, the strongest opinion is that it's obligatory to pray with a sutra. If you are praying alone, you should pray behind something. You shouldn't just pray in an open space so that anyone should walk in front of you. But it feels as though the feeling is though the strongest opinion is that it's righteous. That it's it This seems to be the most correct opinion, at least it's mustahab, it's not. Allah Azhar, Allah <laughs> The answer to your question, I The first part of your question about the Sutra Inshallah, we will discuss it probably at another time in more detail. But as I said, I think the strongest opinion of Allah knows best The sublick is where you will on the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam For the Al-Fukhar Muslim That, if you are called a Ahad, you the Sutra Sall, you the That means if anyone you prays, Then he must pray toward the Sutra This is the command in the hadith Sal, you call The Lamb in this word, Fall you Then He must pray Ila sutra, to a sutra, towards a sutra. It indicates that it's obligatory, I yani mean this is the general meaning of the scholars that a command indicates wujud. And also in other hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said, uh, that no one of you should pray, except you pray towards the sutra. So in this hadith, it's like a prohibition, that you cannot pray except towards the sutra. And in the first hadith, it is a command, that you must pray towards the sutra. So well, it seems to me, and I'm indicating that it's obligatory, in any case, at least it's mustahar, and it shouldn't be abandoned. Whether it's playing alone, should pray with the a sutra. While it's playing in congregation, the imam should have a sutra. The imam has a sutra, and the other people are free. meaning for sutra and congregation, except for the imam. As for the, uh, standing together in the land, um, there <laughs> are a number of hadith, in which the Prophet called the people to stand together. And he used to tell the people to straighten the land, and to close the spaces between them. This is also a command from the Prophet and we should try to stand close together without pressing anyone and making anyone uncomfortable by forcing and responding. Some people may put their foot on top of your foot to make sure that you know, there's no space between you. But we should stand close to one another uh, without um, harming anyone and making anyone uncomfortable in the Salat. Uh, we should avoid at all costs spaces between the ranks. They should stand close to one another, and that means that the person who is on the right side of the Imam should move to the left towards the Imam, to the person on their left. And the people who are on the left side of the Imam should move to the right towards the Imam to close the line, and it's expected that brothers on the other side of them should close the other side. I mean you can't close the stakes on both sides, otherwise you may spread the waves until you fall on the ground. But at least then the person who's on the right of the man should move close to the person on their left, and the person on the left of the man should move to the person on their right. To close the line on that side, and the other person who's beside them should close it from the next side. My line is is uh, that what? Well? Yeah, the, the the input. The use of Sutra But after the part later, people will be frustrated and people will be going out to love you If you praying, uh, in your life, you will find out that Sutra is what are doing The Sutra, the Sutra, to you the most correct opinion is, perhaps I have an essay that was translated by one of the brothers in Medina years ago I don't know if I can find it, I will try to find it at least we will benefit from it because there is a brief discussion concerning this matter and we will find from that that the sutra is required or at least mustahab, recommended in the prayer in general whether it is obligatory or voluntary except the people who are praying in congregation are not required to have a sutra the imam is be a sutra but if anyone is praying alone, whether they are praying obligatory prayer alone, or they are praying voluntary prayer alone, they should pray a sutra. When you finish the prayer, you should try to pray in a place where the people who are leaving will not walk in front of you. You should pay attention and try to put yourself in a position that people are not walking in front of you. If you are in a masjid that has walls and poles and bookshelves and things, try to put yourself in a place where you have a sutra. If you are in a small uh, Portable cabin like what we pray in here and there is nothing to pray behind except the wall itself in the first line and then try to pray on the side against the wall uh, in the first line or behind someone who is praying when they got up to pray you can get up with them at the same time inshallah they will do a sutra for you they will not leave before you leave or something like this but at least you should make some effort to try to pray with a sutra, so that no one would be able to walk in front of you. As long as you have a sutra, then you are protected. If you don't take a sutra, then you are to blame for the person who walks in front of you. And they are also to blame for walking in front of you. But at least if you have a sutra, the people can walk around in a sutra. But if you don't have a sutra, then you are the cause of the problem. The people need to get by and have no sutra. How can they get out? How can they get out? So it is your responsibility to take a sutra, so that the people who want to move quickly, the they can walk around your sutra. They shouldn't walk in between you and your sutra. But if you have no sutra, what will they do? What will they do? So don't be the fault of the problem, but try to take a sutra, try to pray in a place where you walk Better to move forward because the people who are going out are going towards the back. So if you get up in the front, it's more likely that you will not have the problem walking in front of you. And in some places In some okay, it's okay. It's okay. In some places people are conscious of the sutra and they will not walk in front of you. Even I have seen children in Jummah, after Jummah prayer, I have seen children trying to get the lanshit and stop when they feel someone praying and try to walk around them. Some people are conscious of this. And when the people are educated, it will alleviate the problem. But the problem is some people don't know. And some people have the false belief that the Sutra is the it's um, not really important. Or some people think that it's not obligatory in Mecca and Medina, for example. But in other places, you have to use it. I
1: mean,
0: there are so many ideas. But in any case, inshallah, this will be discussed in the essay. And uh, perhaps if we have a chance, we will uh, yani have one, uh, yani an occasion to talk about the Malikah. Subhanakallahu
1: Alaikum.